0: Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Several years ago, our son Zachary came to Namibia to visit us. Uh, This is before he was married and and had kids. Uh, This version of our son uh, loved adventure, and he loved adrenaline. And so um, he, wanted, and he, wanted, he wanted friendship in these moments of adventure and adrenaline. So uh, I'm very fortunate that my son, Zachary, uh, really loves to be around me. And, of course, I love to be around him. So he would invite me to his adrenaline-fun moments. So uh, b- before this trip to Namibia, uh, he and I had already jumped out of a plane together, uh, parachuted, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, afterwards, after that jump, people came to us and asked us what we were thinking, you know, why would we jump out of a perfectly good plane? Uh, but that was a lot of fun. On this trip to Namibia, he wanted us to uh, hike a mountain uh, in December uh, in the south, southern part of Namibia where it's extraordinarily hot. And uh, it was uh, uh, not an easy mountain to climb in, in, by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but um, I wanted to be with my son, and uh, this was, this was uh, the, the adventure that we were going to do. Uh, climbing with uh, Zachary was always incredible, obviously being with him and the, the thrill of it all, uh, the slight mix of danger. But uh, uh, I was not as nearly as courageous uh, as he is. And so uh, before we left, uh, I seriously spent a, a great deal of time praying uh, for guidance. Uh, is to know how to actually climb this mountain without fear. I didn't share that with Zachary until afterwards, but God has always been so good to me in my weaknesses and my fears. Uh, He told me to listen to him uh, for each step and all would be well. So I literally, every step I took on this climb with Zachary, every single step, I was asking God, should I take this step or that step? Which path should we take? And um, I, I, was just really honestly sincerely as closely as I could listen to God for every single move. There was a moment where I took a, um, I took a wrong direction. I didn't uh, what I was hearing from God didn't seem safe, so I took the path that seemed to be safest to me. And all of a sudden, we found ourselves in this actually going downhill, still up, and in a more treacherous situation. I said, "Okay, I repent," and we doubled back, went to the to the juncture where I disobeyed God, and then uh, followed His path. God took us in a direction that seemed on the surface more dangerous, but turned out to be safer, uh, much cooler uh, temperature was much better, and it was faster. We got to the top a lot faster. I have to say this kind of trust uh, in in the spirit and attentiveness to God is is not what i what I practice all the time as much as I should my my battle, and maybe you can relate to this my battle uh, is this <laughs> is always trusting in what I can't see versus trusting in what I can see, touch, and hear. And it's that idea that uh, always of trusting in what I can see instead of trusting in Him completely. Trusting in someone else's leadership uh, versus trusting my leadership. Uh, trusting, for from, uh, from me often too, is that trusting what I consider to be mystery, the unknown, uh, versus trusting scientific fact, these things that I can prove logically. I don't know if you can relate to that in any way, but I'm often, I'm often not comfortable with faith in other. Uh, I'm more comfortable in faith in what I can uh, hear, see, what I can think through logically. But there's a reason why our walk of faith is called a walk of faith uh, in that it is we are placing faith in what we can see. We're placing faith in mystery. We're placing faith in those things that don't always add up logically or scientific in our minds. The Holy Spirit comes to us today uh, to anyone, anyone who repents and believes the Holy Spirit is available. His intention is that His church operates exclusively by His power and direction. We are warned in Scripture not to, to put out His fire, not to put out uh, the, the power of and movement of His Spirit. Uh, Paul uses the term quench, don't don't quench the Spirit. Or, and he says also too, don't don't bring sorrow to the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. Wouldn't it be great though, if we were able to operate today uh, in the same way that was done through those others who came before us, who followed Him clearly. Through the Holy Spirit, believers are saved, filled, sealed, and set apart exclusively for God's work. The Holy Spirit reveals God's thoughts, Teaches and guides believers into all truth, including knowledge of what is to come. The Holy Spirit also helps Christians in their weaknesses. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us, prays for us. It's really difficult for me to imagine a healthy church uh, that is not led exclusively by the Spirit of God. Uh, Today uh, I want to use uh, Romans 8 as kind of a backdrop, uh, Romans chapter 8 as a as a backdrop narrative. I think Paul explains the movement and activity of the Spirit uh, probably uh, better than anyone in Scripture, just detailing exactly how the Spirit of God operates. Uh, the Holy Spirit was actually a favorite topic uh, of Paul throughout. You see in every one of his letters, he mentions and refers to the Spirit of God, realizing that he could do nothing without Him. Let me, let me read for us Romans chapter 8. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. He did this so that the the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters... You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Paul is saying here that, that we can depend completely, totally on him. We're not obligated to, to follow through with our sinful desires. In Christ, the saying, the devil made me do it, has absolutely no place. The devil can't make you do anything when you're controlled by the Spirit of God. It's our choice who we're controlled by. The Holy Spirit is living. He's, I guess you could say, He's, he's live now. Uh, he's head and controller of God's church. And, and our, our responsibility as believers is and our and our and our and our gift, our privilege, is actually to follow him and be controlled by him. Uh, Paul said so clearly that we're, we we have no obligation to our sinful desires in our nature because the Holy Spirit actually controls us. Uh, Paul Paul was so uh, so helpful in in actually teaching the early church that that uh, of how to function and, and operate in a, in a. Proper way related to the Spirit of God. Some of the most practical teachings you'll find in Scripture are from Paul. Uh, Look what he says here. He simplifies this in his letter to the Ephesians. He says, Don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, We're instructed to actually pursue this Spirit filling on on a continual, constant basis. In Galatians 5, uh, specifically there, and uh, throughout the, the letter to the, the Galatians, he gives uh, the Spirit credit for his calling, uh, for his, uh, his discipleship, and for his being sent out as a missionary, all credit to the Spirit of God. He actually makes a statement that no human being taught him. This was all done by the Spirit of God. <coughs> as, as he ends the letter of Galatians 5, he encourages, greatly, greatly encourages uh, those believers to very specific, in, in very specific ways to, to operate and function with the Spirit of God. So he talks about being led by the Spirit. He says you need to be led by the Spirit of God. He says if you're led by the Spirit of God, you won't gratify the desires of your flesh. In other words, you'll, you'll be able to overcome your sinful temptations. what he's saying in Romans as well. He says uh, that we need to, be, to keep in step with the Spirit. It's this idea of walking side by side with the Spirit and, and, and mirroring and matching every one of His movements. It says if you're actually in tune with with the Spirit in this way, where you're consistently, constantly keeping in step with Him, you're not going to be tempted to provoke your friends. You're going to be a a better friend. You're going to be able to relate well. You're going to temper what you say. Uh, The Holy Spirit will control uh, your your movements and your thoughts. And so you're not going to be overcome with jealousy or or irritation or pride. And you'll relate to other people in a way that's loving and kind and gentle. He encourages uh, believers in Galatians 6 to sow into the Spirit, to invest uh, all of your life, everything about you, into the Spirit of Christ. Uh, Jesus would have summarized this in in a very simple way. In John 15, he says that we need to abide, remain in Him. And it's this idea of consistently, constantly being invested 100% of our lives into the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God keeps us from sinning. The Spirit of God keeps us from uh, uh, having bad relationships with our friends and family. Uh, The Spirit of God leads us ultimately into eternal life, uh, into the presence of God. (laughs) What an amazing, amazing promise from the Lord. Great direction from Paul, helping us very practically, how do we operate? How do we function with the Spirit of God? We're told by Paul also to that we need to actually desire the spiritual gifts. Not only do we need to be led by, uh, keep in step with, sow into, be filled by, but we need to desire spiritual gifts. It's not that the spiritual gifts are optional here. We need actually, need, we need to, 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 to long for it, to, 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 to hope for uh, spiritual gifts, to desire them. The spiritual gifts have been given to us so that we can actually love each other in a more effective way. Uh, Peter spoke about this. He said the spiritual gifts are are given to us so that we can, as he puts it, administer God's grace uh, one to another. The church does not function outside of the activity and leadership of the Spirit of God. We are to desire, earnestly desire this leadership from Christ. Uh, Dr. Luke, a physician, is credited with writing not only the Gospel of, of Luke, who's in the New Testament, but he's also credited with writing the Acts of the Apostles, which is the Book of Acts. And uh, it's ironic to me that uh, Doctor Luke, who wrote the Book of Acts, a physician, a man who trusts science, I'm sure, but also to wrote the book uh, to to show the, the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit throughout the early church. I think it's amazing aspect of the Book of Acts is that you see uh, that the Holy Spirit is highlighted throughout that the church's movement was impossible outside of the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Dr. Luke chronicles this. He says that uh, Acts begins with this um, incredible conversation with Jesus as Jesus is telling disciples to wait and to receive the Holy Spirit so that they'll have power. Uh, Acts chapter 2, we see what we refer to as Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes down with flames, uh, tongues, um, uh, tongues of fire and that uh, the disciples, and all those who are gathered in this room uh, begin to speak in other languages. Uh, the, the gospel of Christ, that actually is heard by those around that building, and many, many, many come to faith because of that. It's the coming of the Holy Spirit, this movement. The book of Acts continues to demonstrate how the Holy Spirit becomes the, the dominant reality in the life of the early church. The Holy Spirit is the source of all guidance, and He's given credit for it all through this narrative of the book of Acts. The Spirit moves Philip to make contact with the Ethiopian eunuch. We see this in Acts chapter 8, verse 29. The Spirit of God uh, prepares Peter uh, for the coming of the messengers from Cornelius, Acts 10, verse 19. Orders Peter to go without hesitation with these same messengers. The Holy Spirit enables Agapus to foretell the coming famine, This is Acts 11, verse 28. The Spirit of God orders the setting apart of Paul and Barnabas for the momentous step of taking the gospel to the Gentiles. It's Acts 13. The Holy Spirit guides the decisions of the council of Jerusalem. Acts 15, verse 28. The Holy Spirit guides Paul past Asia, Messiah, and Bithynia, down into Troyes, and from there to Europe. The Spirit of God tells Paul what awaits him in Jerusalem, that he's going to suffer for the sake of Christ. The early church was a Spirit-guided community. All the leaders of the church were men of the Spirit. The seven seven are men of the Spirit. So Stephen, Barnabas, these initial uh, appointed uh, leaders of the church, Uh, they were full of the Spirit, we're told in Acts 7 and Acts 11. Paul tells the elders of Ephesus that it was the Spirit who made them overseers over the church of God, Acts 20, verse 28. And further, the Spirit was a source of day-to-day courage and power. Peter's courage and eloquence before the Sanhedrin are the result of the activity of the Spirit. Paul's conquest of uh, Elymas is the work of the Spirit. The Christian courage to meet the dangerous situation, the Christian power to cope with life more than adequately, the Christian eloquence when eloquence is needed, and the Christian joy which is independent of circumstances are all attributed to the work of the Spirit. I personally find it difficult to believe that God does not continue to give His church these same, the same kind of leadership, these same spiritual gifts. Paul was quite clear to the Corinthians, earnestly desire, long for this. There's no evidence that, that something has changed uh, since Acts chapter 2, since Pentecost, since the post-early church, that would eliminate this directive to the church to desire the gifts, nor is there any evidence to suggest that we need the Spirit's leadership and His gifts less today than the early church needed for their time. Paul was so clear that not only that we needed to be led, uh, keep in step with, invest in, operate in the spiritual gifts, and be filled uh, with, with the Spirit, but also he encourages us uh, to, to put away any kind of practice that would actually stop the leadership of the Spirit from, from functioning and moving properly in the context of church. He, he wanted the fire to stay lit and burning brightly. First Thessalonians, his letter to, uh, to... In First Thessalonians, he says this, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Don't put out this fire, he's saying, basically. Don't hate the activity of the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies, he says here. In Ephesians 4, it's this warning that not even to to create sorrow for the Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Spirit of God by our bad behavior. We're encouraged not only to, to pursue Him with all of our might, but also not to put it out, not to set it aside. The Spirit of God, after all, is how we become children of God in the first place. Why would we be born by the Spirit and then spend the rest of our lives killing or snuffing out this same Spirit? It's put in a different way. Why would I start a fire and then try to put it out as fast as possible? We're invited to, to function, to thrive, to live based on the Spirit. Paul continues in Romans verse chapter 8. He says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. The spirit of God is our seal and proof of adoption. It's the the proof and evidence that we actually belong to God. How would we ever expect as the church to function outside of that connection? Outside of the spirit of God. The Spirit of God thrives and functions completely based on the movement of the Spirit of God. It makes sense, doesn't it, that if we are born again by the Spirit, that we would also live by the same spirit. It makes no sense to me that uh, we would actually uh, be born into new life, but then not live by the same spirit. We're invited the church, to function and operate solely by His leadership. Nothing can separate us from the Spirit of God. Thus, nothing can separate us from the love of God. We need Him, His leadership, more than ever before. He continues in Romans 8, Romans 8, verse 17 and following, And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us all full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. I truly am not sure how people make it without God. In these days where it seems like every day is bad news, Dan and I say it to each other every day. How do people survive this without the presence of God? Everyone you talk to these days is losing or has lost. We have a, a, a tree that uh, we planted many, many years ago that's become a nuisance in our yard. And so I called a, a, a contractor to come in who specializes in tree removal. The man came to my house uh, on, on Thursday to give me a quote on removing the tree. And when he came in, he, had, of course, had a mask on, and uh, he looked at me and he said, and he didn't shake my hand, he said, I'm, I'm really sorry for not greeting you properly. I said to him, I said, listen, uh, I appreciate you not greeting me properly. In these days, uh, we're trying to distance from each other, unfortunately. That's the reality of our new world. That conversation led into the conversation that I think is on everyone's mind these days in this, in this place is the, the loss that uh, has happened to so many of us uh, because of COVID. He shared with me uh, in my yard in tears, weeping, he said, "In, in the, just in the last two weeks, twelve of his best friends had died." He expressed to me in, in tears how, how, the, how the young and athletic, uh, he said, bodybuilders and, and bikers and swimmers are dying, and this is just blowing him away. I shared with him how my friend, uh, my friends are also dying. On Wednesday, my friend Udo died. Uh, it's just it's it's daily bad news. As we stood there together, uh, emotional, (laughs) in my garden, I told him the only thing that's keeping me sane in these days is the Spirit of God. He cares for me. He comforts me. He he guides my actions. The Spirit of God prays for me. He prays in ways. He speaks to our Father in ways that I I can't even understand, but in in ways that I need so desperately, specifically for, for my life. I can't make it without Him. And knowing that this place is temporary is helpful for me. I I will never be separated from the Spirit of God, which means I will never separate it from the love of God. Church cannot function without the Spirit of God. The tree guy resonated with everything I was saying. He said he affirmed that our only hope is in God through Jesus Christ. He told me how he's functioning because of, of the Spirit of God. You know, God is able and does meet us in the midst of suffering and struggles. Extraordinarily, it's often the people who've gone through the greatest suffering who have the strongest faith. It, it feels as though this kind of hurt exposes the, the, the effectiveness or the lack of effectiveness of the tools we rely on every single day to be okay, whatever those things are. You know, those make-us-all-right tools. Uh, the presence of God uh, seems to rise to the top as the only real effective help. In these days, the presence of His Spirit is what rises to the top when you realize it's the only His Spirit is the only one who can actually help us through these days. Followers of Christ testify to the presence of God with them strengthening and comforting them in the midst of their pain. You, you may be aware of the, the Boom family that was uh, part of concentration camps during World War II. Betsy Ten Boom, as, as she lay dying in Ravensbrook concentration camp, turned to her sister, Corey and said this, We must tell them that there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. There's no place, there's no hurt uh, that is so, so profound, so deep that the Holy Spirit cannot be present and and help us in that point of our weakness to give us comfort, to give us joy, to, to, to give us perspective. The Holy Spirit more than ever before, we need Him now more than ever before. Paul says this in Romans 8 as he concludes this chapter, he says this, that He Let us as the church, the church, let us be filled by the Spirit. Let us be led by the Spirit. Let us walk. Let's take every step by His power. Let's let's keep in step. Let's match His canter. Let's sow into the Spirit of God. Let's invest in Him wholeheartedly. Let's abide. Let's remain in Him, as Jesus would say. And may we not quench the Spirit or grieve the Spirit of God. We need him more now than ever before. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. Lord Jesus, we know that you are our comfort. Lord, you are our guide. Lord, you are head of the church. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you, God, that uh, you help us in our weaknesses. Lord, Father, we need you more than ever before. Lord, we give you praise for this promise. We give you praise that this is not the end. Lord, someday we'll have new bodies. We'll be in your presence forevermore. Lord, thank you for this gift. Lord, we give you praise. In your name I pray. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.